Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message. All right, hello, good morning, the party's over, all fun ceases. Hi, my name is Ray, I'm, uh, I go to church here. Uh, hello. Uh, Pastor Adam uh, is, uh, he needs your prayers real bad. He, he went mountain biking with his two adult 20-year-old sons. So uh, imagine trying to keep up with the youngins, right? Uh, but uh, the word is that uh, he is surviving, right, Heather? So, but pray for him nonetheless. Even if he's not mountain biking, go ahead and pray for him, right? Uh, so he'll be back with us uh, next week. Um, what a great day you have picked to come to the vineyard. First of all, if you're a first-time guest, we are so happy that you are here. And then secondly, if you've been coming for 25 years, we are so happy uh, that you are here. But the reason that you've picked a really good day is we are smack dab in the middle of our summer of Psalms, right? It's the summer of Psalms. Uh, Quest Love ain't got nothing on us. He did a really good uh, documentary called The Summer of Soul, which I really recommend. Uh, but not us, no, we're the Summer of Psalms. And uh, this is week three out of the five. Uh, in uh, week one, Pastor Adam talked with us about uh, the Psalms of Thanksgiving and Praise. Psalms of Thanksgiving and Praise. And basically, um, uh, to, to boil all of his hard work down into to one message is that uh, a lifestyle of thanksgiving and praise is like the best thing for us. Uh, it's the sanest, healthiest thing that we can do, and that is to give God uh, thanks uh, and praise. And then um, uh, in week two, uh, we, we like went from one pole to the other because we went to songs of lament. And, uh, you know, lament means sad songs, right? Country Western music, it's, um, it's the sad songs. And, uh, you know, you would think that's maybe counterintuitive, except, now it depends uh, on how people categorize them, but uh, there's a lot of scholars that would number uh, the psalms of lament at like 65, 68 different, like I say, how you categorize them. But uh, like uh, by far uh, the largest single category uh, Psalms of Lament. And one of the notes that Adam gave us was that part of, it, part of what it means to be a strong person is to bring your weakness before God. That was the nugget that I took away last week. So, you know, you put these two together, week one and week two, and the same almighty God to whom we express thanksgiving and praise is the same God to whom we come and we sometimes say, Things are just not good right now. And isn't that amazing that we can both pour out our joy, we can pour out our gratitude, but we can also pour out our sadness before God. And uh, boy, you put those, those categories together, uh, thanksgiving and praise and lament, and out of the 150 Psalms, you're way, way, way over 100. Uh, and now in week three, uh, I would like to talk to you for a little while about psalms or songs of assent. You know, assent, that doesn't mean like, you know, you give mental agreement. No, it means like to go up the hill, right? 
Now, I hate going uphill. I don't know about you, but uh, when I do exercise, rare as it is, uh, I, I'm usually on a treadmill, and you know, you get the option of the incline. Well, forget that. I ain't moving that thing. Uh, I was out actually taking a walk, uh, talking to a friend of mine on the phone uh, on Wednesday, and I was walking outside because it was kind of cool, and then I got this long uphill run on, the, on taking the walk. And finally, he said to me, are you okay? And I went, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just I'm walking uphill. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. And yes, these are the Psalms of going up the hill. That's what, uh, that's what we're going to be uh, dealing with uh, today. But before we deal with them, uh, let me give you a memory uh, that, uh, that I have from several many years ago. I was going to a meeting in Montreat, North Carolina, and uh, my road dogs uh, were Sam Crabtree and Hannah Despain and Stephen Oligus. And, uh, uh, and we, we met here at our building and we were going you know, to go on the trip. And before we went, uh, Sam like takes his phone and he leans over the back seat and he says, um, you know, here I've got it on, you know, like Apple Music or Spotify or whatever. Just add five of your favorite traveling songs. And, you know, then, you know, Stephen, you do it. Ray, you do it. Uh, Hannah, you do it and I'll do it. And we'll have a, we'll have a song list of 20 songs uh, for traveling, right? Uh, and what a good time we had, because they put them on shuffle. You didn't, it was even fun sometimes to say, you know, well, who picked this one, right? It was uh, a lot of fun. Hannah, do you remember any of the songs you picked that day? No. No, yeah, and it's been a little bit of a while, right? It's been a, and who knows, the, t the picks might even be different nowadays, right? Yeah. So what about you? If you had, you know, a five-hour drive, what makes it onto your Spotify list? What's your, what's a road song? This group. Beyonce. Beyonce. There we go. And do you do the uh-oh, uh-oh, the, the whole thing there? Okay, so we, so part of our traveling is Beyonce. This group, we give me a traveling song. Come on, and you've got the time. You're, first of all, you're in the car, you got five hours, it's Taylor Swift, and she, she really is a genius, okay? So all too well, the 10-minute version specified. All right, come on now. Uh, yeah, 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 Jesse. What, what did he pick? Oh, hi, Jesse, how you doing, buddy? That's my nephew. And may I say, for the record, that I have six nephews, but Jesse is my favorite. Um, uh, okay, can somebody give me a road, road song here? What's that? K-pop. Oh, any K-pop will do, right? Okay, BTS, who do you like? Yeah, that's the only K-pop group I know. So I went with, uh, so I went with that. Okay, so, and then what about over here? Hallelujah. The Leonard Cohen song. Oh, man, I would groove to that, but then I'd have to get out and cry a while. Um, but yes, Leonard Cohen, uh, hallelujah. So you see, we could, build, uh, we could build our own travel playlist. And what I want to share with you, these Psalms of Ascent, believe it or not, is an ancient Jewish playlist for traveling uphill. 
So that's what it says in all the fancy theological books. Ancient Jewish playlist for traveling uphill. Uh, or, uh, or maybe I could give you just a little bit of background work, okay? So uh, how much background work? Well, you know, we've got about 90 minutes, so I can go somewhat into depth here, right? Um, so it turns out that uh, God's wonderful and he rescues uh, the, the uh, Hebrew slaves out of Egypt, maybe 600,000, maybe more, uh, and it's like 1500 B.C., 3,500 years ago. And he leads them what? Into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And he not only gives them this wonderful land, but he gives them the, the gift of these 10 commandments to order a right and a just society. And, and, and he says, look, you guys can be the city set on a hill. You guys can be, the nations will stream into you to learn of my ways. And, uh, uh, and you know, no sooner do they get into the land of promise, but they start screwing things up real bad, right? Uh, so they go from receiving the land of promise to actually being a people of privilege and exclusion, like we're God's favorite, but you're not. Okay, and uh, God is gracious and God is patient, way more patient uh, than I've ever been um, because God sends them the prophets time and time and time again. And the prophets are uh, justice for the poor, for the widow, for the orphan. Uh, the prophets say, you have a high calling and God has not forgotten how much he believes in you for this high calling. And the prophets, not year after year, no, not decade after decade, but century after century, the prophets are saying, return to your God, O people, and be the people that you could, you could be. Now, uh, you know, I, we, Kim and I have three kids. Now, they're all adults. Uh, but, you know, I, I remember what it was like to have toddlers, two, three, and four years old. I can't imagine hundreds of years of trying to show patience for a toddler, but that's what God does, right? He shows patience for literally centuries, but then eventually the hammer falls, and the people of Israel are defeated by the Babylonians and taken away into exile a long way off into the, the great city, the great city-state, the great empire of Babylon, where decade after decade, uh, they're in captivity. But then finally, God remembers his mercy, remembers his kindness, and God brings them back out of exile. And this is the historical roots for the songs of ascents. Now, um, you know, the, the other ones we talked about, thanksgiving and uh, praise and, and lament, you know, you kind of categorize those willy-nilly, but you actually find 15 psalms starting in Psalm 120, 120 going through 134, uh, you find 15 psalms. And how do we know they're the psalms of ascent? Because it says so, right actually in the text, a psalm of ascent. And uh, so in their most historical setting, these are the road songs that were sung by the people of Israel as they went from the well-watered plain that was uh, Mesopotamia back up to the elevation some 3,000 feet or so uh, back towards Jerusalem. Now, were they all written or sung immediately at the time uh, of the return? We don't know. We don't know for sure, uh, because it may have been that it became a genre and that uh, artists continued to write songs about returning. 
that artists continued to write psalms about returning. Uh, so were they all written immediately upon the return? We don't know that for sure. Uh, but we do know that they are all uh, grouped together. And um, so we're going to do all 15 psalms today. And I've taken a lot of notes. Now, let's do Psalm 126. Let's, uh, let's take a look at Psalm 126. It's only six verses long. Uh, it falls kind of like right in the middle of the 15. And, uh, and uh, here's what it looks like. It says, uh, when the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. We were filled with laughter. We sang for joy. Uh, and the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done amazing things for us. What joy. And then verses four through six It changes in a little bit of tone. It says, restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. Uh, They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Now, this is Psalm 126. It's the entire psalm. Psalm. And like I say, was it written exactly when they came back from uh, Babylon? We don't know. Uh, but here's what we do know is that this category of Psalms, all 15 of them, became a part of the culture. They became a part of the culture so that in Israel, there were three festivals each year in Jerusalem. And, you know, so it didn't matter if you lived in, you know, Bethlehem or if you lived in Nazareth or, you know, Galilee or wherever you lived, you would go up the elevation to Jerusalem, and for hundreds of years, uh, the return from exile is about 538 B.C., roughly. Um, uh, For hundreds of years, three times a year, they would sing, the travelers uh, would sing, not the 10-minute version of All Too Well, but they would sing these these 15 Psalms. And so today we're just going to look at 126, and I want to give the breakdown to you like this. I want to give you the breakdown. We're going to talk about journey, we're going to talk about history and nostalgia, and we're going to talk about promise. We'll break down, we'll break down these six verses. Journey, history and nostalgia, uh, and promise. Okay, so now we've got our historical background, right? Um, and, uh, you know, if you think about journeys, well, you know, Babylon to Jerusalem would have been a joyful journey. They, they would have been in exile uh, for roughly one lifetime. So many of the people who are returning had never been there. Imagine returning to a place you've never been to. It sounds like a Bono lyric, doesn't it? Uh, and I began to think, because I like movies, I began to think about movies, about uh, journeys, and my mind immediately went to The Hobbit, colon, An Unexpected Journey, right? That's, that's certainly a, a story about that. And then, of course, if you're like classically minded, what about, you know, The Odyssey, uh, Odysseus returning home after being at war? Uh, and then because I'm just a bit of a science fiction nerd if I thought of the Odyssey. Then I also thought about 2001, A Space Odyssey, which is uh, humanity returning to its roots, right? So this idea of returning, this idea of the journey is, it's deep, deep inside the human psyche from from Homer to Stanley Kubrick. Uh, It's deep inside. And uh, if you were to look at all 15, which we cannot do, 
um, they would present these possibilities to us. The subjects of the journey would be a journey from exile to return, a journey from strife to peace. The very first of these psalms, for example, the psalmist says, I speak for peace, but whenever I speak, everyone else is for war. So like, you know, living among a, uh, a, a you know, a, a people that are striving, uh, a journey from the vulgar and the common to the holy, right? All of these things in these 15 verses, uh, a journey from alienation to reconciliation and a, a journey from mourning to joy. And so it would come as no surprise that all 15 Psalms are necessary to cover such, such a big topic, right? Um, but we're safe when we're talking about history. We're safe when we're talking about a long time ago. I still want to talk about the journey. Because what about us? What about me and what about you? What journey might you find yourself on right now? You know, you don't have to be very old. You could be 20 or 40 or 60 or 80. But every one of us at one time or another has found ourselves in some kind of a journey. I made, made a little bit of a list. Um, how many journeys do you and I, how many journeys do you and I make in life? For example, a journey into old age. That's a journey. Um, or for some people, a journey into sobriety. Or a journey into contentment. Uh, American dream, you know, how about a journey into contentment or a journey because life is tough sometimes a journey into forgiveness these might be journeys that any one of us could be on right now could be on right now or not just into things but what about a journey away from fear a journey away from judgment of other people or a journey away from greed, which the scripture tells us is actually like idolatry. Or a journey away from self-loathing uh, when, I, when I look at, uh, at my own life. So here would be the first application point for us. Just us vineyardigans, here we are. Um, ask yourself, what kind of journey are you on right now? You could be young, you could be middle-aged, you could be a baby boomer, which is another way of saying O-L-D, right? What, what journey are you on? And whatever your journey, this collection, these songs of ascent, they can be your companion. And the songs of ascent have a song for every season. They've got a song for every setback. They have a song for every celebration, this is a marvelous collection that if you were to stop and take inventory of your own life and say, like, this is the journey I'm on right now, open up to Psalm 120 and read all 15. Now, I'm, we're not going to do that today, but I'm, I'm like quite serious. It would take about 10 or 15 minutes. And, and, and just listen to the human experience uh, that are in uh, these Psalms. So... The first question as we study the scripture together is, what's your journey? 
What journey have you completed? What journey are you on now? Or into what journey might you be heading? Into what journey might you be heading? So there's our, there's our first point. Um, then I want to talk, uh, using the text of the psalm, about history and nostalgia. History and nostalgia. Um, maybe I could give you a little bit of my own history. Uh, as a teenage boy whose family had broken apart and my father and mother had divorced, uh, I was 14 years old uh, on uh, the shores of Lake Geneva in Wisconsin. Williams Bay in particular, because it's a big lake, uh, is where in August of 1970, I gave my heart to the Lord. Uh, and uh, what a wonderful thing, because part of my history is, is right out of Psalm 68, where it says that God sets the lonely into family. My family had broken apart. I felt alienated from everyone. And in that exact year that my family broke apart, God set me into his family. How wonderful. And I experienced very real forgiveness, even at the tender age of, of 14. So this is a part of my history. Let's look, if we could, though, at the history of the people of Israel, because I want to talk about history and nostalgia. So we'll look at the first three verses again, because this psalm falls neatly into part one and part two. That, that, that's brilliant Bible exposition, part one and part two, right? So here now are those first three verses. Uh, when the Lord brought back the exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream come true. We were filled with laughter and we sang for joy. And wouldn't they have done that? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is a documented historical archaeological fact, the return from exile. Uh, and the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. Yes, the Lord has done Amazing things for us. What joy. Okay. Now, here's what I want to do, though, is I want to contrast that the psalmist in these three verses gives us both history and nostalgia looking back on the event. Both history and nostalgia. Um, it, it, it's, as I worked pretty hard on it at the beginning, it's an established historical, archaeological fact that the people of God were taken into exile. They were there for decades, and they came back. Um, uh, their, their history is well known, and they don't forget their history. And this is something that is important for each of us. We might be 30, we might be 50, but what is your history personally? I mean, the, the events of your life or your history with God, uh, these are things that we would do well to remember. Um, you know, it's so easy to forget what God has done. It's so easy to forget what God has done. What a good and healthy exercise it is sometimes to simply take inventory of your history with God, whether recent or whether long ago. And then imagine an entire nation engaged in remembering three times a year. Three times a year they did this, right? Um, lost my spot. There we go. Um, uh, our, our history with God points to our destiny with God. Now, this is really important. A clear and sober understanding of, 
of our history with God also points forward to our destiny with God. Uh, that's just the way that we live. Uh, it's, uh, it's just the way God unfolds time for us. But now I want to ask a really vital question. And that is, when you remember your history, when you, when you, remember, your, when you remember your history, do you expect that God will do the same thing for you that he did before in exactly the same way. So the little boy at Lake Geneva uh, in 1970, you know, that's how God moves. You know, it's around a campfire and there's preaching and you come forward and you give your heart to Jesus and that's how God moves. Or would it be maybe a little healthier to say that God may not do the same thing with us every time, but the same God will provide care and love and kindness for us in different ways. So there's this possibility that as we remember our history, it's a possibility as we remember our history that we would insist that God does it the same way he's always done it. Now, he's the same God and he's reliable and his kindness and mercy are everlasting. But just because he did it one way in my life doesn't mean that's the only way he's going to work in my life. So I need to know my history because it points me towards my destiny. But as we've talked about with the other Psalms, it's also a really good idea to let God be God. But then I love this Psalm so much because something else creeps into history. Nostalgia, right? Can I just tell you about nostalgia? I grew up on rock and roll. Can I just tell you that rock and roll is the greatest, highest art form of music ever invented in the history of man in every culture, in every age, everywhere. And it's just science. I'm sorry, okay? And then something horrible happened right around 1975, came disco. And can I just tell you this, disco really, really sucks, okay? <laughs> And then after that come all of these, you know, you know, these indie guys, you know, you know, that are moaning into their microphones about how hard life is in the 1980s. And I'm sorry if you graduated, you know, or your, your teenage years, you know, were, were in the 1980s. But can I tell you that Kurt Cobain just needed Prozac. That's actually all he needed. Okay? Uh, but, but rock and roll, now that was the... Okay, now you see what I've done? Typical baby boomer. I've slid from history into nostalgia. And of course, I've offended, you know, at least some people here, at least that like disco or, or that, you know, or that like the music from the, <clears throat> from the 80s. Um, uh, uh, nostalgia causes us to kind of get things a little wrong. It causes us to demand that God did things the same way that he used to do them. Nostalgia causes us uh, to be a, a, a little bit fuzzy. And uh, there's one other verse I want to share with you. It's out of the book of Isaiah. Uh, in chapter 43, Isaiah was actually addressing the, uh, the people who were returning from exile. He was addressing them. And look what um, the, the prophet warned these people. He said, don't remember the former things or consider the things of old. I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not see it? And I think that what Isaiah was doing 
was saying, don't be nostalgic. Be eager to embrace what God is doing now, right? So should you remember your history? Yes. Plant a stake on the goodness of God and how God has intervened in your life. It's a wonderful thing. But don't be nostalgic. And very tellingly, Isaiah even asks us the question, don't you see it? Don't you see what God is doing now? We need to see the new thing that God is doing. It always will reflect God's character. His character doesn't change. But beware of wanting to go back. Um, I worked pretty hard on this line. When history is reduced to nostalgia, we can no longer see our future. You, you should write that one down. When, when history is reduced to nostalgia, we can no longer see our future because that line of continuity from the God who was and is and is to come, the, the, the Lord Jesus, the same today, yesterday, and forever, God is faithful and unchanging, but he's also infinite in how he works with us. And if we insist on nostalgia, we won't be able to see the future. A journey, remember we're on a journey, that was the first one. A journey that's driven by nostalgia is a journey into fantasy. And now, can I say to us North American evangelical Christians in 2023, can I tell you that our people, us, me, my tribe, we have been embracing nostalgia for what God did in the 60s and 70s. We embrace nostalgia for great awakenings of the past. And Isaiah has tried to tell us he's doing a new thing. It's breaking forth. Will we not see it? Or do we insist that things should be just the way they were in the Eisenhower administration. Well, that's the second part. We talked about the journey, what it is for you personally, what it is for us culturally. We've talked about that history is how we build our faith in God. What has God done for us? But that nostalgia will cloud our vision and keep us from navigating into the future. And then the second half of Psalm 126, the second half of Psalm 126 talks to us about promise. Verses four through six. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, as streams renew the desert. Can you, can you hear how the tone changed? We had joyful shouting and everybody in the nations were talking about how great God was, right? Um, but then in verse four, it's like, yeah, but we've stepped in it again, Lord. Would you restore our fortunes uh, like streams in the desert? Verse four is crying out to God for miraculous intervention. Had God done streams in the desert before? The answer is yes. You know, in the, in the uh, Exodus, uh, uh, Moses speaks to the rock and out gushes water. Uh, the, God, God is fully capable of a miraculous intervention that causes the desert to bloom or the desert of my life to bloom by God's miraculous intervention. Um, for example, I, I don't take care of my health, but God will heal me anyway. Isn't that great? That's a marvelous thing. Uh, I, I, I was foolish with my money, but God will 
generously and miraculously provide for me. Um, I treated people poorly, but God restored my relationships with them. Isn't it wonderful when God intervenes? And can I tell you from verse 4 that that yearning is perfectly natural because this is part of God's character. God does, can, does, and will intervene even though I might be the the loser that has uh, uh, messed it up, right? So the, the psalmist is crying out, restore our fortunes. But then there's another way that God intervenes. Look at verses five and six. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they will go forth to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. This is the third section, the section of promise. It's a promise that God literally could move heaven and earth and intervene miraculously, but that God also will work in our lives through inviting us in with him to plant and to cultivate and then to reap the harvest, right? And maybe you got to do this a little bit. Maybe you got to do this a little bit and get the tears out of the way in order to plant the seeds of righteousness, the seeds of the kingdom. But you, you can participate with the grace of God by planting new seeds in your life. And so, see, there's two kinds of promises here. The promise to always be with us and to sometimes intervene miraculously, but also, can you see the actual promise? They will harvest with shouts of joy. They sing as they return with the harvest. We need, all of us need, to hang our hats on the promise of God. And this is part of what God's promise is, is that he's not going to leave us and he will work with us, sometimes by intervention and sometimes by planting and cultivating. And sometimes, though, if our nostalgic view of things gets in the way, we're asking him to do one when he wants to do the other. And, you know, that can work both ways. Sometimes it's like, no, I got myself into this. I can get myself out of it. And God's saying, just get out of the way. I'll take care of it for you. Or, come on, work with me. Work with me, work with me. But the promise of the returning, the promise of the returning is there's joy ahead. The promise of the returning is that there is a harvest and that there are shouts of joy. There is a, there, there is a full harvest of God's goodness that awaits each one of us. And often, if I can say this pastorally, Often, he invites us into the process through planting and cultivating and harvesting. Maybe not quite as exciting as streams in the desert, but this is God's way because it builds something in us. Does that make sense? So, um, this is Psalm 126. It's a psalm about returning. Remember your history. Don't get caught up in nostalgia. Listen for the promises of God and apply them to the journey in your life right now. And it's just one of these 15 amazing psalms. What's your journey? All 15 psalms, take 15, 20 minutes to read. All 15 psalms 
can speak to where you are in life. From grandparent to new parent, God is with you in your journey. So, uh, Glenn and Hannah, if we could bring the band back up. And I'd, as they're getting, you know, re-plugged in, I would just like to suggest two questions that each of us should ask ourselves. Two questions that each of us should ask ourselves. The, the first is simply this. What role do I play in my present journey? That's a question for self-reflection, and it's, a, and it's a question that we should ask the Holy Spirit. Lord, what are you doing for me, and what are you doing with me? What role do I play in the promises of God in the returning of my present journey? And then the second one, in an age of some despair, the second one is really important. Am I just placing one foot in front of the other and somehow stumbling forward? Can I tell you, friends, that's not a journey. That's a death march. If I'm just placing one foot in front of the other and I don't know why, that's just a death march. Or do I have a sense that God is with me in this journey in my life from young to old? Whatever journey you face, do you have the sense that God is with you in this journey? Does that make sense? These are two questions. What role has he given me in this? And do I have a sense of God's presence? So uh, I think there's, well, I know because I was at the early service. There's a beautiful song for us to close on. Um, I think also, I hope, that we have a ministry team. Do we have a, a ministry team that will pray for others? Yes, okay, so they'll be up here to the left if you want to either respond to uh, Psalm 126 or maybe you have some other need, uh, they'll be available to pray with you afterwards. And you guys, I'm so thankful for the way you guys serve our congregation. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.